All right. Well, morning, church. Well, for those of you who are here in the building, will notice that it looks quite different in this room. You'll notice that we are sitting at socially distanced tables. Uh, the reason for that is we're going to try to do something interesting. I, I'm someone who loves to try new things. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to do a shortened message. It's going to be 15 minutes. Fingers crossed. 15-minute message, and then we actually are going to sit in our tables, and we're going to discuss the message. Um, the reason for this is we've been getting some feedback that ever since coronavirus has kind of hit, with masks and not having food, it's harder to connect with people. So we thought, you know what, why don't I just give up some preaching and let's connect during uh, kind of the typical sermon time. So um, it'll be really, really good and fun for us to do that. Um, and we're also going to do that if you're watching us live online, there's also going to be a Zoom group. So as soon as we're done, you can get off Facebook and you can hop on Zoom. And we're also going to have a discussion there, uh, which will be really fun. Well, we're starting in, uh, a new series entitled Kingdom. And I think we have a slide that if we can put up there, Kingdom. So this uh, series, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. So... I want to start by asking you a question right now as you think about it. If you were to boil down, what was the one message that Jesus talked about most when he was on earth? I bet if we asked a lot of people that question, people in this room, people online, people around the world, even if you've never read anything from Jesus, I bet people would come up with lots of different answers. Things maybe like love. Well, he preached about love. And he did. He talked a lot about loving God and loving people. Or maybe you might say, well, forgiveness. He talked a lot about forgiveness, that there should be no end to the forgiveness that we give other people. But that wasn't the central message. Maybe it's eternal life, which he talked about eternal life. But again, not his central message. Luckily, Jesus tells us exactly why he came and what it was that was the main theme for his teaching. He tells us here, in Luke 4, verses 42 through 44, we'll have it on the screen, also on the little sheets that are on the table, have all the sermon verses there. Luke 4, verses 42 says this, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, he tried to keep them, or they tried to keep him from leaving them. But Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Everyone say kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The reason that he was sent and the central message that Jesus preached was about kingdom. It was about the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. I have fallen into this trap as a preacher and a teacher where I feel like we talk a lot in church about love, about forgiveness and internal life. I've not done a whole lot of teaching on the kingdom of God before. Jesus is central teaching. <laughs> the one thing he was, spent his time on earth doing. And I was wondering, why is that? I was thinking this week, why is it that we don't seem to do that more? Why don't I do that more? And I think that there's a couple of reasons. I think the first reason is... Because some of the metaphor of kingdoms is lost a little bit for us here in the West in America. It makes a lot more sense if you're under the rule of a king, right? When we, in the United States, 
when we think of kingdom, we might think of like United Kingdom. We think of borders of countries. Well, we have the kingdom of America, and once we cross this imaginary line, we will be in the kingdom of Canada, right? That it's tied to a place. What's fascinating, though, is when you read the Bible, kingdom isn't tied to a place. It's tied to an activity. Let me say that again. Kingdom isn't tied to a place. It's tied to an activity. All of the New Testament and Old Testament authors, obviously, a kingdom is somewhere, but instead it has to do with the authority. So uh, if I did the John International version of the Bible, if I were to translate what Jesus said in Luke 42, verses 43, I would put it this way. Luke 4, verses 43. I must proclaim the good news of the rule and reign of God to the other towns also. It's an activity. It's the rule. It's the reign. It's the activity that what he does. Obviously, it happens in a place, you know, and we get that here. We're in this building, some of us. Um, wherever you're at, you're in another building, and we are in the United States of America. We are under the rule and reign of America, but you could say, well, is this America right here, this podium? Is this America? It's like, well, no, it's not really here. Is this America? There's nothing signifying that America, that this is in America, but we all feel it. We all know that we are under that rule and reign. Jesus picks up on this theme later in Luke 17, verses 20 says this, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom, think rule or reign, the coming of the rule or reign of God is not something that could be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's not something you necessarily see, physical, tangible, it's something that you feel. You feel the authority. And I love here that when the Pharisee asked, notice he didn't say, hey, where is the kingdom of God? It's when. When will the actions of your kingdom start? And Jesus is saying, they're already here, bub. They're already here. It is right here in your midst. God's rule and reign is already here. So I think that's the first reason why we don't necessarily teach it more. It's a little bit foreign to us. An idea that kingdom is tied to action, ruling, and reigning. Decisions that are made. The other thing, why I think it's awkward for us, the second reason, is because when Jesus came on earth, he talked about his kingdom coming in different stages. You see, in the Old Testament, they had a view similar to the Pharisee that I just read, where the kingdom would come. The Old Testament prophets prophesied, the kingdom will come down. Well, Jesus made it clear when he came down that the kingdom of God is here. And yet, the kingdom of God will also be coming in the future. We like to use a phrase that the kingdom of God is now and not yet. That the kingdom of God is now, but not entirely there yet. And what's amazing about this kingdom, if you were to say, say, like, well, how would you describe the kingdom of God? I would almost describe it as think of God's finger, the finger of God coming down and touching earth. When someone is struggling with sickness and they get healed, 
That is the kingdom of God, God's finger coming down and intersecting earth. There's a story where Jesus sends out 72 of his closest disciples and says, go out and spread the word of the kingdom of God. And he says this, he tells them, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, when someone is healed, the kingdom of God, God's rule of reign has come near. When there's brokenness in a family and the brokenness gets restored, that is the kingdom of God coming down on earth. We see little glimpses of it. But there's always a but. There's this second element that's in the future of a kingdom of God that will come when Jesus tells us that he will return again. And because of this, we're in a weird spot. We are in this world, part of a kingdom of God, experiencing little glimpses here and there where the kingdom of God will enter our hearts and feel really good, but yet it isn't fully here yet. Have you guys experienced some of that weirdness before, right? Where it's like, well, God's kingdom is here, but yet it's not here yet. It's going to be completed in heaven. Um, There's a movie that I think explains the kingdom of God very well. It is a movie called The Terminal. Has anyone ever seen The Terminal before with Tom Hanks back in 2004? Wonderful movie. Actually, I didn't see the movie. I saw the trailer, so hopefully it's good. I don't know what's rated. But I think this explains the kingdom of God perfectly. What happens is is Tom Hanks' character is from a made-up country called Krakosia. And he's coming from Krakosia to the United States. While he's in the air, Krakosia has a coup, and the country is no more. So when he lands in New York, his visa and his passport are no longer valid. So he can't come out of the airport in the United States. The other thing, though, is Krakosia decided to limit travelers so they can't travel back. So the entire premise of the movie is that Tom Hanks is stuck at the New York airport He can't leave, and he can't go back to where he came from. So it's him having to try to figure out comedy of having him trying to figure out how to live there. It's actually based, this movie, as I found out, on a real story. There's an Iranian, a man named uh, Miran Nasiri, that he spent 18 years from 1988 to 2006 living in the Charles de Gaulle Airport in France. 18 years where he, while he was in the air flying to France, there was a coup where visa statuses changed in the uh, Iranian um, embassy, and he couldn't leave the airport, and he couldn't go back. So he lived there for 18 years. I think that this describes our journey. See, what happens is, for us, when you decide to come under God's rule or reign, when you decide to accept Christ as your Savior, We board that airplane, right? And we're like, thank goodness I can leave the kingdoms of this world. Sin, death, no more. That's great. Let's go. You get excited. And then you get up and you land in the kingdom of God. And you get off the plane. You're partying. You're high-fiving. Only to be told, oh, by the way, you have to be at the airport here for a little while. You're not going to quite go to the kingdom of God until you get to heaven. And you're like, well, what do I do? It's like, well, just hang out here for the airport for however long it is that you're going to hang out here for. And we're left with this kind of weird kind of place where we're kind of in the kingdom of God, but also kind of not. You ever notice how, like, different airports will also reflect the different cities where they're at, right? You go to Seattle Airport, kind of reflects kind of the northwest. 
I remember I went to an airport, the Branson Airport in Missouri, and it was interesting because it's like you see little glimpses or facades of the area around. I remember we were, I was stuck at the Branson Airport for a while, so we ended up going to a barbecue joint. And it was good barbecue, but it wasn't as good as the barbecue in the city, right? I think in the same way, for us, we're living this existence in an airport, seeing glimpses around of God's kingdom, being like, wow, it's right there. And yet, I'm not able to experience the fullness of it. Another way to think of it is, if you ever download an app on your phone, and you download the app, and you have the free version, and you have the paid version, we're right now in the kingdom of God light, where you download the app, and you're like, look at all these great things that I can do. And then as you begin to start going into the app, you're like, hey, upgrade to the pro version, and then you can have full access to this feature, right? We have elements of this kingdom here, but yet it's also not quite there yet. And this is the mystery that we find ourselves in, a mystery of as we're here in this kind of middle ground, when we read the words of Jesus, Jesus asks us to do some pretty crazy stuff. This is what he asks us to do. He says, even though the kingdom is not yet, I want you to start right now while you're in this kingdom of the world, start acting like you're there which is incredibly unfair. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult. He starts saying that in the kingdom of God, that the most powerful person in God's kingdom isn't the person in the world who is the wealthiest or is on the news the most or has the most political power, but the greatest in the kingdom of God would be some person you've never met on the other side of the world in the slums of Mumbai. That's who's the greatest in my kingdom. He says things like, if someone slaps you on the cheek, and even though under the law it's an eye for an eye, and you are allowed to slap that person back, but to choose to lay down, and even though you're legally entitled to slap somebody back, to turn the other cheek. Things that make a whole lot of sense when you're in the kingdom of God. But when you're here, stuck in the airport of life, it doesn't seem very fair. It doesn't see, it's, just, it's difficult. And this is what I love about Jesus. Um, he's okay with the mystery. When he taught, he could have had all of his teachings where he wrote everything down, written down, nice and bundled up and given it to us. Instead, he spoke in parables. He spoke in stories. And throughout the Gospels, people will say, I don't understand what it is you're trying to tell me. And Jesus is like, good. Because there seems to be an element where struggle, trying to work out this life, that that is important to Jesus. I'll be honest with you. I've been steeped studying the kingdom of God, looking at this series for the last couple of months. And there are sometimes, I'm a, I'm a biblical languages nerd. Some, the one reason that I love biblical languages is because you can see a sermon, uh, look at a Hebrew word or a Greek word, you get maybe a better, a different definition of it, and it will all click in your head. You ever have it? And you're like, wow, that amazingly, and it fits together. I've been steeped for months in the kingdom of God, and I ain't gotten that click yet. <laughs> I'm still like, I don't know what to do with my hands, Jesus, while I'm here. I don't like, 
it, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's almost unsatisfying. Because I'm like, just tell me what to do. What do I do, Jesus? Do I just move up and go across the world and just, even though I'm here, I'm not here yet? How do I interact with all these things? It's like the Venn diagram, right? Kingdom of world, kingdom of heaven coming together. I'm stuck in the middle. I don't know what to do. And while I was doing this, I was brought to a passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Paul puts it this way, this mystery. He says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. This phrase, for now we see in a mirror dimly, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense now in our language because we have very good glass mirrors. Those weren't around when this was written. They had a polished piece of metal. That was their mirror. And the way you would use the mirror is you'd put it up right next to your face like this in order to barely be able to see. You could see part of your face, but not the entire part. Again, John International Version, and if I were doing this, I would say something like puzzling reflections in a piece of tinfoil, right? If I were to get tinfoil and try to look at you guys, it wouldn't make any sense. As we're going to be going through the kingdom of God these next couple of weeks, and as we're going to be talking about right now as we break into our groups, there's going to be a lot of mysteries and wrestling. And part of me felt, honestly, like I'm doing something wrong. How can I teach something on the kingdom of God when I don't quite understand it. I don't quite know all of the answers. And it's when I just felt the fact that Jesus is very comfortable with mystery. And he's very comfortable because the process by which we learn to grow and act, that that's what's important to Jesus as we learn. So what are we going to do now is we're going to break into our groups and our tables if you're on uh, Facebook right now, uh, there's going to be a link and some Zoom info that you can go ahead and join us. You certainly don't have to. We're going to do this in two different batches. The first two questions, we're going to have an eight-minute timer that's going to be on the board to sit and discuss. I think for the most part, we're, the goal was groups of four. Maybe, Andrew, if you can move over there to that table. Um, other than that, we're about groups of four. Um, and then if we can just go and discuss. Now, obviously, with two questions in eight minutes, that's less than a minute per person per question. So if you are a talker, I am a talker. I'm looking at some of you others who are talkers. Maybe just limit it and allow another team member to tap you on the shoulder as we share. But also, sometimes people process differently. Sometimes people are like, hey, I'm still meditating on what was being said, and there's not something to share. That's fine, too. So we're going to have grace for each other. So after eight minutes for the first group, I'm going to come back up. I'm just going to pick one group to maybe share what you guys had discussed. And then we're going to do it again for the second group uh, and do that. So we're going to have 16 minutes of discussion. Why don't we go ahead and start? Facebook, I will see you for you live. I will see you on the Zoom meeting now. Larry, if you want to go ahead and start the timer. And we're going to get off to the races.